Elizabeth, could you do that four and a half years ago? I might sign up for Harvard. <laughs> Thank you. Jean, my bride of 35 years, four months, one week, and two days. And I have some similar interests, some things that are important to both of us. And then she has some interests that I'm not really that fond of. And I have some interests that she's really not that fond of either. I did not know until I got married that everything needed to match. I had no idea that if you paint this room, not only does everything in this room have to match, but that the next room has to match that room. I was not aware of I remember being at the mall, um, and we were, and I use the word we loosely, we were looking for a new comforter for our bed. Uh, she was aware that the old one needed replacing. I was not aware that it needed replacing. She was aware that Dillard's was having a sale. I was not aware the Dillard's had having a sale. Evidently, Dillard's calls her on a regular basis and tells her <laughs> what is going on. I, I just really went for the ride. Uh, I learned that there's nothing comforting about buying a comforter. <laughs> they should change the name of those things right off. I was not aware of the price. Um, she found one that she liked, and she asked me for my opinion. Did I like it? I don't know what our old one looks like and what, how would I do it. The more she looked at it, the more she decided it didn't match her curtains. I wasn't aware I had curtains. <laughs> Although it was half price, it seemed expensive to me, and so I suggested we wait for a better sale or we look somewhere else. I was ushered to Dick's Sporting Goods and dropped off. <laughs> a manly place where I could walk around looking at things. I needed to get away from comforters and pillow shams and duvets. I love our new comforter, by the way. We are also different. Some of us are keenly aware of how our team fared yesterday. Sarah Lee wants me to let you know that Auburn won. Fairly, you didn't think I would do that, did you? But I did. Some are not aware. Some just don't care. Today we're going to talk about being aware of what really matters. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, connect us to you. Help us to be keenly aware of your presence. Not just in a sanctuary sitting in a pew, but at Dillard's or Dick's or wherever we find ourselves. Each and every moment of each and every day, you are there. Help us not forget. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Genesis 28 is where we begin. It, not being aware is not a new problem. 
It's as old as time. Adam and Eve forgot. That's when they got into trouble, didn't they? We go further in Genesis chapter 28. The story of Jacob. We begin in verse 10. It says, Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran, running from problems. He came to a certain place, stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. He's exhausted to use a rock for his pillow. But he slept and he dreamed. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth and its top reaching all the way to heaven. The angels of God were ascending and descending on the ladder. And in his dream, Jacob says, The Lord stood beside him and said, I'm the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I'll give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. You'll spread abroad to the west, east, north, south. All the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go. I should have emphasized the first part of 15, verse 15. Know that I am with you. Know that I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know. That's a bad place to be. In the presence of God and not even know it. Jacob was running from trouble. He was busy. He was guilty. He was preoccupied. He was exhausted. And he was not aware of the presence of God that had been there all the time. And if we are honest, we can relate. There are times when we too forget. At Dillard's, when we were discussing the comforter purchase, we both behaved. Our discussion was guided by the truth that we both know that God was there. And so I'm a much better husband when I realize that God is with us in our conversations. But if I ever forget, watch out. Because it's not good when I forget. When we're aware of His presence, we do. And if we are unaware, we are headed for trouble. I read recently, and I love this, the primary story of the Bible isn't about people desiring to be with God, people wanting to be aware. The primary story of the Bible is about the desire of God to be with His people, trying to get our attention, trying to get us to be aware. We forget, but God never does. And that should be comforting to us. Do you know the most frequent promise in the Bible? Do you know the most frequent promise given in Scripture? It's the promise of God to His people over and over and over. The number one promise is, I will be with you. Isn't that fabulous? Isn't that great? And the reason it's the number one promise is because He wants us to learn it and to live the light of that truth. Remember what God told Joshua after the death of Moses? Can you imagine filling those shoes? 
Remember what God told Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9? God looks right at Joshua and speaks and it said, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now those words were given to Joshua. And sometimes I don't feel comfortable taking words out of context. But I do hear because of all of what Scripture teaches. If God could look at you and look at me, would He not say the same thing? Would He not look at us and say, Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For I am with you wherever you go. Scripture teaches that as a truth for all of us. Remember these words from the 23rd Psalm, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Fear not. Be aware. When Jesus came to earth, one of his descriptive names was given as to Emmanuel, which means God with us. Be aware. When Jesus left, he promised to send his Holy Spirit. And in the Great Commission, in the second part of Matthew 28, Jesus said this, Remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Children often have an amazing perception that far surpasses their teaching. They pick up on the things of God in amazing ways. A five-year-old said, I know that Jesus lives in my heart because when I put my hand there, I feel him walking around. Isn't that fabulous? A three-year-old girl was raised in the home of atheist parents. And she asked her daddy, where'd the world come from? And he answered her with the party line of secular science. And then he said, There are some people who say that all this comes from a very powerful being, and they call him God. And it's recorded the little girl started to dance around the room saying, I knew what you told me wasn't true. It's him. It's him. And I believe it. Writer Anne Lamont was raised by her folks to be a very devout atheist. She even had to sign a contract as soon as she could sign her name, supporting atheism. Anne started backsliding from her atheism and fell into faith at a very early age. And she wrote, Even when I was a child, I knew that when I said hello, someone hurt. We must be aware. Another biblical example. In Matthew 14, Jesus is making his disciples in verse 22 get in the boat and going ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowd after feeding. And after he dismissed the crowd, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. The evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. Early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. 
They cried out in fear, and immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart in his eye, don't be afraid. Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you all. I think Peter's like some of us. He speaks first and then thinks later. I really doubt he wanted to do that. And then after the words came out of his mouth, Jesus said, Come on. What was he to do but get out of the boat? So he got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. We don't know how far he went down. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, called him, and said to him, You have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son. You know the story well. Peter walking on water headed towards Jesus and Alf was fine and he was very aware and looking and then his eyes went this way. And he started to hear the wind and feel the wind and see the waves and he took his eyes off of Jesus and he was no longer aware of his Savior. And he started to sink. That's not the last time in Scripture Peter sang. Remember what happened in Jesus' last few days? At the Lord's Supper before He entered the cross in Luke 22, verse 33, Peter was saying, If they come get you, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. I'll fight for you. Jesus said, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you've denied three times that you even know me. Peter argued it couldn't happen. We read further in Luke, beginning at verse 54 of chapter 22. They seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him to the high priest's house. And Peter was following from a distance. When he kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. A servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was also with Jesus. He denied it. Woman, I do not know him. He begins to sing, doesn't he? A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You're one of them, but the men. But Peter said, Man, I am not. He sings a little bit more. About an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also is with him. He's a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Strike three. Sinking further. And at that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him before the cock crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Peter sank when he was not aware. And trouble came. The importance of being aware. I don't want to end the story there. It gets better. After the resurrection, when Peter was forgiven, Jesus forgave him and loved him, Peter became aware and transformed. Look at what happened in Acts chapter 5. Many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles. 
They were all together in Sodom's portico, and none of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord great numbers of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. And why did they do that? In order that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he came by. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that beautiful? Peter changed so much. He was so filled with God that people just wanted to let his shadow fall on them. When we are constantly aware, we cast great shadows. We're better husbands and wives and sons and daughters and parents and friends and neighbors. We are what God created us to be. Be aware. God is with you always. I love it when Mary plays the violin for us. Mary, do you know of a violinist named Joshua Bell? Mary knows Joshua Bell. Joshua Bell is one of the greatest violinists on the planet. And about nine, ten years ago, January of 2009, did an experiment for the Washington Post. He went to the Metro subway station in Washington, D.C. to play the violin while people were commuting and trying to catch the train. Have you seen the video of this? Go home and Google this. It's good. He played six Bach pieces, about 45 minutes. It was rush hour. And thousands of people were in the station. It took three minutes for somebody to stop. A middle-aged man noticed the musician was playing and he stopped his pace for a few seconds and then hurried up on his schedule. A minute later, he received his first tip, $1, from a woman who threw money in the, his violin case without stopping. The one who paid him the most attention was a three-year-old boy who was mesmerized, but his mother grabbed his hand and drug him towards the train. And that action was repeated with children who wanted to stop, but parents that were just too busy and had somewhere to go. In 45 minutes, six people stopped for a bit. About 20 gave money, but they just continued to move. He collected $32. When he finished playing, there was no one standing there. No one applauded. There was no recognition. He played some of the greatest, most intricate pieces ever written with a violin that was worth $3.5 million. Now that was 10 years ago, which probably appreciated the tad since then. <clears throat> Just a few days before, he was packing houses in Boston for hundreds of dollars a seat. It was a social experiment by the Washington Post. And one of the conclusions they reached is good for us today. If we do not have a moment to stop and listen to one of the best musicians in the world playing the best music ever written, how many other things are we missing? If we are not aware that God is always there, how much are we missing?